0: Talked a little bit, will start with the history of Yom Kippur. What is that day significant for? What happened at that day? Um, and what, what what was exactly the first Yom Kippur? So we know um, after Mount Sinai, Moses comes down with the tablets 40 days later. What does he see? He sees the people frolicking and dancing and celebrating this golden calf. Now, what exactly happened? What they saw? It's, it's a good question to examine and the most important question we could possibly ask on that discussion is how is it possible that 40 days after experiencing prophecy at Mount Sinai the most significant event in all of human history where a nation in its entirety men women and children right including converts that had joined the people mere 40 day, mere 50 days earlier everyone is suddenly elevated to prophecy how does that work well regardless of how that works like if you had prophecy like 40 days later you start proclaiming it an idol to be, you know, a Lord calf to be an idol? It's a very good question. Either way, Moshe sees this, he gets enraged and destroys the, he destroys the tablets, then he goes and destroys the calf, and he gives the calf, and he mixes the calf into the gold of the calf into the water, and he gives everyone to drink from the water, and all the people that participated in it they actually drank the water, and they died. Hmm. And the Torah tells us about 3,000 3, people, which is obviously not so many people out of 600,000 adult men so it's less than a half percent of the people and it's also interesting to know that, that less than a half percent of the people that's enough to condemn the whole nation right? we're a nation that's united if, our, if, 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 there's a, if there's one element even an incredibly small minority right, half a percent, one out of every 200 people very small if there's even a tiny uh, faction of us that is dipping their toe into idolatry, we all suffer And what does God tell Moses? I'm done with the Jews. I'm fed up with them. I want to destroy them. And Moses starts interceding. Then Moses goes up the mountain again. He's there for 40 days again. He comes back. He goes up a third time when God says, okay, build me a second uh, uh, set of tablets. And finally, after the third time, the third 40 days, God says, Salachti ketvarecha. Which is the golden words. Salachti. That means, I forgave like you asked. God finally accedes to Moshe's requests that he forgive the Jewish people, the Jewish people following an at atonement on which day? On the very first Yom Kippur, in exactly one hundred and twenty days after uh, what happened at Mount Sinai. So forty days later, forty days later, forty days later, and therefore that day is a day that forever is enshrined in the Jewish calendar as the day that's most auspicious and designated and designed and programmed. For atonement. Thus the day of atonement. And thus every year. When we reach the 10th day of Tishrei. We reach the day. That has in it. An overwhelming abundance. Of God's influence of forgiveness. This is the day that God is most likely. Most apt to forgive us. We'll see exactly how this works. Mechanically as well. And I think one of the great miracles. Of all of Jewish history. Is the fact that. That this day is also the day that our judgment gets sealed. Think about that. Imagine I told you that the day that the jury is on shrooms and they're just so happy and they don't want to hurt a fly, that is the day that they have to decide your 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 fate. Isn't that isn't that wonderful? Isn't that delightful? It's a good day. Right? And it just happens to me, for us, it's like, a, whoa, what a wonderful convergence. But it's, it's, it's an incredible kindness, almost a miracle that the Almighty does for us. That specifically the day that is most, that's most capable of us receiving forgiveness for everything, atonement, atonement for everyone, right? atonement being handed out. Right? On on street corners. For everyone. This is the day God forgave for a a sin of the the golden calf. Remember, sin of the golden calf is a sin that warranted us to be destroyed. Think about that. It's a sin that is all-encompassing. Whatever the sin was, we have to analyze the sin. separate discussion. Maybe we'll have a discussion. We'll stay on some other time. Right? But it's a sin that there was justification for the Jewish people to be destroyed. That's... Go ahead. So, would seem based on that uh, understanding that Yom Kippur should not be as solemn as we I like where you had in there. It shouldn't be solemn, right? Right. And who said it is? Well, it's always been wherever I've been. Ooh. I don't that's... see anybody applauding, cheering, jumping up and down. saying Yippee. Okay, so we're going to try to... We're tonight, and we're going to dispel some important myths, because a lot of people view it as a very sad day. And I specifically began with um, the preamble of the different fast days to show that Jupiter diff- uh, because there is a fast day, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's for the same reason. So I'll, first, I'm going to start, describe exactly how it works mechanically. It means what about the day and how are we oriented in the day in, in an entirely different way than every other day? And therefore, how that brings about the capability of being of uh, being atoned, and then we'll contrast that with the other days of the other fast days, and show how they're tremendously they are polar opposites. How this is in fact a day of great joy, and it's the exact opposite reason why we fast um, every other, every other time. Oh, not every other time necessarily, because the fast of Esther is not really a sad fast; it's more of a reliving or commemoration fast. It's not, it's not it's, a poem was a very happy day. Uh, while the rest of the fad the rest of the other four fasts, they all deal with the destruction of the temples, right? Either the death of the governor on today, on G'dali, the of the the siege of the city, the breaching of the walls, or the destruction of the temple. Right? These are different marks of disaster and destruction that happened to Jewish people. Yet Yom Kippur, as Diary duly noted, is not a day of. It's not what's sad, what ha- What what possibly happened? Sad- I guess the Yom Kippur War was the saddest event that ever happened. In Yom Kippur. Um, which is something very, very, very interesting to examine on a cosmic scale. How is it possible that something so bad happened to the Jewish people? On Yom Kippur, I think it's a very good angle to try to really ask. Um, Why do you think that's bad?
1: put the Yom Yom Kippur Yom Kippur war. war.
0: Well, they didn't really win the war. Oh, okay, we can get sidetracked here quickly, I see. Okay. <laughs> but uh, they didn't yeah, really, remember, 8,000 Israelis, Jews died during the war, so it was a real disaster, especially in, when, when contrasted with the Six-Day War, which was a tremendous military success, just one of the great military triumphs of all of, of, of the history of warfare. Um, going back, you said that half a percent of people were participated in uh, going to even less, but yes. Go ahead. Um, so, God It's probably less than a quarter, a quarter of percent, quarter, percent. right? Because it only only percent. men participated in this in the Golden Calf, and there's a little more than six hundred thousand adult adult men. So, out of six hundred thousand adult men, 3,000 3, participated. So that's half a percent of the men, but out of the to- total of the people, it's less than a quarter because you assume there's a commensurate amount of women as well. And there's children as well, so. And Levites didn't do that either, right? That's true, but they're, they're, they're part of the Thousand. So he God judged us as a community. Yeah, and we'll see that we we'll see that that's a, that's a trend that even even extends to young Rosh Russia. But on Yom Kippur, um, I don't know, I don't know I, the uh, literature that I read, the illustrations that I read. God judges us as an individual, not mm-hmm. as a community. Well, it's both. It's both. Because we're told on Rosh Hashanah that we each pass before God like a sheep. Like a individual. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Individual. That's why I was reading, yes. That's right. That's, uh, that's the Mishnah. The Mishnah tells us that Rosh Hashanah, everyone's judged, uh, everyone like an individual. Uh, yet we'll see a little bit later um, something very interesting, very bizarre, but like awesome, as we'll see in a second. I set myself up for failure. But we see an example of the Jewish people being judged collectively. And that is very good for us most of the time, but sometimes it's bad for us. So if the Jewish people are going to get destroyed because of the golden calf, well, I didn't do the golden calf, right? Why should should I get destroyed? Well, you're part of the Jewish people, and the Jewish people as as a whole, if something so heinous and terrible happened, well, then everyone essentially suffers as well. Okay, so, so we see the history of Yom Kippur is that it's the day where the biggest sin the Jewish people ever did right, was granted forgiveness and thus it's a day that it has this power, has this influence. Now what does the Torah tell us about, about, um, about Yom Kippur? It's a very important verse uh, about Yom Kippur. It says as follows. So, Satan will Hebrew and they'll say it in English. Ki bayom like this. For on this day it's Yom Kippur. the Mighty will forgive you, will tone you. To purify you from all your sins, close to God you shall become pure. So it's saying a few things here. Saying on this day there's going to be atonement, purification from all sins, close to God we shall become pure. And it tells us that on this day we're close to God. Lift their shame, close to God. What does it mean that we're close to God? I understand that this is a day that maybe God wants to forgive us. This is a day God forgave us in ancient times. This is the day that God forgives us today. Forgiveness. I understand that. What, is it, what, is, what does it have to do with being close? This is the point that I mentioned earlier. How does it work mechanically? What, what technically is different about Yom Kippur that uh, makes it unique and therefore makes it that it's uh, specially apt for forgiveness for atonement? So we find something like this very very interesting Talmud and the Talmud may evoke some questions that are sidetracked yes, I already see it so what's your question again what about Yom Kippur what about this day that makes it that we're close to God we're, we're, high, we're elevated yeah what does that mean we're above the angels on this day no? ooh what does that mean do how mean? can we be above the angels we're sinners we have a body we have a Yetzirah we have angels how can we be above the angels? we're not eating that day so what? yeah because you're not eating you're above the angels? We have choice <laughs> angels don't well true so we have more capability than angels but to be more pure than angels our soul maybe is it's, as pure as angels maybe it's because the angels feel like they're being judged as well angels that get judged? Uh, did I ask that's you that? angels get judged? how can angels get judged? Uh, you're quoting from, uh, from the Maksar. Mm, mm. Was that was, was that part of the evidence? <laughs> I'm just joking, yes. It seems like the angels get judged as well, right? Yeah, angels so are terrified, right? I guess that's I mean, part we of do, it. We do go up some because we act like angels by not eating by doing these things but maybe they come down a little bit because they feel like they're being judged. I don't know. So, so, so you're saying that because we don't eat Therefore, like angels, is that what everyone's saying? Tell you guys a trick question. It's a trick question. Every time I say a presumption, is everyone agree? I'm gonna agree. i to agree. I'm gonna disagree, <laughs> and then prove it overwhelmingly. So that's what you're trying to say. Saying we 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 act like angels. We wear white. We don't eat, and that elevates us. something
1: even greater than someone else. oh
0: yeah we and that's what Alexi pointed out that we have free will, therefore we can become better we can become different the angel can change it's static oh, and god's also God God also can't change God himself cannot change right god be, can be moved by prayer etc by someone 's actions because we also have a hand in what happens in the world but God himself is static that 's what we say ashemmahad god can't change you know there used to be a um People who thought they were just brilliant theologians would ask this question that would just confound everyone. Oh, I got them. I got them. What's the question? Question is I'm trying to get some blood flow back to my system here. Uh, Question is Can God create a rock that he cannot lift? Have you heard that one ever? Yeah. Yeah? This was was like the way to take someone who believes in God and twist them into a process so he can't get out of it. Can God do everything? Yes. Oh, okay, really. So can God create a rock that he can't lift?: can he split himself into two? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the question. Oh, yeah. It's so yeah, clever. It's so clever, but um, the truth is it's based on a faulty premise. And the premise is that God can do everything. God cannot do everything. God cannot change. And God cannot limit himself. God cannot change what he is. It's a static reality. And therefore, if this reality mandates that there should be no limitation to his power, it's a definition. Well, then God cannot limit Himself. So can God limit Himself by making a stony he cannot lift? No, he can't. So God cannot make a stone he cannot lift because God cannot limit Himself. Simple. You take a a, a, a juvenile, infantile understanding of the Jewish theology or theology at large. And you ask a clever question and it's really clever but it's nonsensical. It's not a real question. Um, how do we get back to this? I don't remember how we got it. Okay. Back Down the rabbit the hole. Home. Huh? Back to the oh, Kippur. St- being static. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. So angels are static uh, and therefore we, because we're dynamic and essentially we're the only dynamic entities because even animals are, dyna- are static as well. Right? Animals cannot be anything other than what they are. They don't have this Conflict, this contention between the body and the soul, the warring forces over the path in life. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah, an a- animal can be trained, an animal uh, can, can have emotions, of course, but an animal does not have the same cosmic struggles that a human has because it doesn't have free will. It's not composed of opposing entities like a body and a soul that are each vying for direction in someone's life. Only humans can change, so that essentially makes us um, greater than angels to a certain extent. Uh, but it, are we really going to say? Back to the point: Are we really going to say that because we fast that makes us greater than angels? Or maybe it's the opposite. So we're told we're close to God. I'll see. I'll explain exactly what I mean in a second. So I found a very interesting piece of Talmud. The Talmud talks about a, um, an entity that's called HaSatan, which was plagiarized, right, the Satan, which is plagiarized by the Christians, like a lot of good things that we've had in our <laughs> religion, plagiarized and then corrupted. So the word Satan or Satan in Jewish, in Jewish philosophy refer, has nothing to do with the Satan of the Christians, that there's some other power, because we remember, God has all the powers in the Jewish theology. So even the Satan is a power that God allows to have power. It's all relative power. It's not absolute power, right? Um, So like you have power, you can lift, right? Of course, but that's only because God allows you to do it. Angels have tremendous power, right? All because God allows them to have it. They don't if and for example, if you were to remove the power that God gives from them, well, then they have no power on their own. As opposed to God, God is an absolute power. So this satan is, is essentially the force that tries to disrupt our success in life. And it's actually linked with the Yetzirah and also the Malacham Those three are connected. The Yetzirah and then the satan and the Malacham is called the angel of death, which is really steery from the descriptions that it's been described as. Uh, but either way, those three are one thing, says the Talmud. It's, it's one entity that, is, that disrupts our pro- progress in life. Well, by design, obviously, God wanted it because God wants us to have that, that you know, fear. I'm sorry? Fear. Not the fear, but the, 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 challenge. the challenge, exactly. If there's, no, if there's nothing stopping you from achieving greatness, then your greatness isn't really worth that much. Because what, what do you have to overcome to get it? So, God created this three-headed monster that stands in the path of everyone's uh, path to greatness. And it starts with the Yetzirah, the Satan, the Malach and the Talmud says, what each role, what's the role of each, ent- of each element of that entity? But either way, that entity is designed to be a barrier between man and God. And the Talmud points out, said, if you take the word Hasatan, and you look at the gematria. The numerical value of the of the word satan, HaSatan, it comes out to three hundred and sixty four. Yeah, the negative commandments. No. Positive commandments. No, it's negative three sixty five, and it says the reason why hasatan is three sixty five because there's one day that he has no power. Mm. Yom. That's Yom Kippur. Hmm. Essentially. Just bring this full circle here. Man's soul is very close to God. And I'll prove it to you. The Talmud says it. The Talmud describes uh, in a uh, a, a description of what happened to a soul before birth. And it talks about the soul being pure. And how pure? As pure as the angels and as pure as God. It makes a connection, a, 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 a corollary between Man's soul and God. Man's soul, if you just isolate the soul, very similar to God. However, we have an impediment separating our soul from God. And that, what we would call, generally, the Yetzirah, the Malachim, the, the Satan. So we're very, very distant. But why, why are we distant? We're distant not because, essentially, we're very far. It's because there's this massive barrier between us. I'll give you guys an example. Let's say... You are in Houston and your brother is in I don't know, in in what's the farthest place? In eighteen one no. And your brother <laughs> is in your brother's in Madagascar and it's before phones, it's it's five hundred years ago. There's no phones, there's no telegrams, no nothing. You're very distant from him. If your brother was on the moon and you're here, he's hun- hundreds of miles away from us. Right? And then you're very distant. If your brother was on a galaxy far, far away, nice shout out. Right? And there's no way of communication, you're very distant. And your whole life you're living and your thoughts are about your brother, but they're very very far away. And let's say your brother's ten feet away from you. But separating the two is ten feet of reinforced concrete and steel. And soundproof. For all practical purposes, you're as f- he's as far away as to could possibly be, right? Because what does it matter that you know, from a bird's eye view, you guys, if you are take- if I drop pins, GPS pins where you are, you're right next to each other. Doesn't matter. For all practical intents and purposes, you guys are very, very distant. But there's a difference. If you were able to temporarily lift the wall, well, then you're right there. We're very far from God. We're very distant from God. But why? Because there's a barrier separating us. Comes along Yom Kippur. The verse tells us, this is the day of God. Forgive us from all our sins. We'll become pure. We're close to God. And then we find out, you know why we're close to God? Because everything that separated us, from all the barriers, they're all moved from one day. Temporary. It's a temporary reprieve. One day, the, the gates of the prison are open to. That 10 foot of reinforced concrete is for 24 hours removed. That's your That's the power of the day. That's why we're close to God. And by the way, that's why we fast. It's the opposite. We fast because on this one day, some, what's a human? Define me a human. A human is someone who has a soul that's close to God, similar to God, yet has so many barriers and layers that cover that up that make it almost unrecognizable. That's what a human is. Comes on Yom Kippur, you look at the human, you say, this is not a human. This is a different kind of human. This is a human that suddenly is very close to God. All the barriers are lifted. Okay, this is a human that really represents an angel. Therefore, we, we don't even need to eat on Yom Kippur. We don't. It's not that we don't eat and therefore we're like an angel. It's like on this day, we're like an angel. And when we, ref- we reflect that in our not eating and We're wearing white and our prayers, you know, there's a prayer that, that only angel we mentioned this. I think when we talk about, this about the Shema, mm-hmm. that right, we normally supposed to whisper it on Yom Kippur. We scream it out loud. Why? Oh. We're not scared. We're like angels today. That's the power of the day. And that's the opportunity of the day. And imagine this team once every 50 years. Or I mean, think of, the theme of this real life. Imagine there was one day that all the prisoners are uh, uh, essentially allowed to escape because all the guards leave and all the doors are opened. It's different. You know? why, why is it different? It's not like that they're sent out to freedom. You're allowed to escape. What's the difference? The difference is you have to do something. You know, it's not like they take you and they drag you out of prison and put you in a different environment. They just open the, they lift the barriers, they open the door. You know, you could decide to be lazy and stay in your bunk, right? And just do and spend your time in the in the the field and lift weights and eat, eat the prison chow and right. That's what you could do. <laughs> I've also seen too many movies here. <laughs> the prison routine that you, you could choose. You could choose what you want. You know, it's or you could get your act together and really make this day. You know, utilize it for what I'll tell you guys. You know, we're told one of the big themes of Jewish growth and change is, is taking it slow and steady. Slow and steady. Slow and steady. Hmm. In fact, the Talmud says, any man who does not have Does not own real property, Earth. Wait, says Earth, not a man. My grandfather explained that. What does that mean? You wanna you wanna climb to the sky? You gotta be grounded. You gotta be grounded. You try to climb a ladder at five runs at a time. Maybe you can do it once or twice. Then you're 55 feet in the air. You're still jumping runs. You know, like you're an American ninja warrior, right? What happened? You're gonna fall down. And you're down really hard, really fast. That's what happens in our growth. We try to jump stages. We try to, you know, try, you know, just suddenly act like we're ascetic, uh, uh, you, know, you know, we're ascetic angels, and you know, uh, you know, I'm you gonna know, do it all. Well, it doesn't work like that. Why? Because it's 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 like it's as if the whole year we're slowly chipping away at that ten foot barrier to get closer to God. We're trying to punch our little holes, you know. On Yom Kippur, all, all those rules are scrapped. The normal process of slow and steady, right, that's for the rest of the year. Not for Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day you can do it all. Right? Jump those runs. Ten runs at a time. This is the day you're close to God. You have a head start. The doors are open. And that's why it's such, a, it's such an opportunity. And it's the greatest miracle that we have it every year. You know, uh, Rabbi Israel Salanter, um, arguably the most important Jewish personality at the end of the uh, 19th century, he said, he said if, imagine if Yom Kippur, he talked use first talk about how important Yom Kippur, what, what we mentioned now, but imagine Yom Kippur came once every 70 years. He says, then the traditional Jewish blessing would be, may you merit to see Yom Kippur, to experience one Yom Kippur. And unfortunately, you know, it comes every year, or maybe fortunately, we'll talk about why it's fortuitous, <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, like, we're like, oh, another year Kippur. oh man, 24 hours to 26 hours, oh, no eating, no drinking, oh, my goodness, oh, I got to spend a day in synagogue, oh, you know, that's what we think. And it's unfortunate because we just saw, and this is this is just the basics of what the day is all about, and it's like... My goodness, it's it's a day that we could really change our whole lives. It's the re, re, like someone else mentioned. I don't know who mentioned this. It's a day of personal reinvention that we could do more than we could do more in one day. We could do the whole year. You know, imagine you're just chipping away, like Andy Dufresne, right? You're chipping away at the wall. You know, you're trying to break out of your prison. You know, and, and years and years and years of hard work and all that could be done in an instant, in one day. We're close to God. The Torah says it's the verse of the Torah. We're close to God, Yom Kippur. God wants to purify us, Yom Kippur. This is the day that we get stuff done in a big, big, big way, and that's why, like we mentioned, Yom Kippur is all different than all the other fasts. The other fasts we're sad, we're mourning, we're unhappy. Yom Kippur, we're really happy. It's the happiest day of the year. Yet maybe we weren't taught this. And maybe our parents were grumpy on Yom Kippur, and that kind of, <laughs> you know, that that kind of got like uh, like it would evolve into a grumpy day. But if we actually learn what Yom Kippur is about, we see it's it's actually a day of tremendous delight. And the fasting is just a reflection of the opportunity of the day. You know, could you imagine if someone is uh, in. To follow up with our example, the guys in prison—the doors are open. You've been there for your whole life. You've been in prison. You think of nothing more than trying to get out. And the day comes, you're like, wait a minute, I gotta stop off and eat some food. I gotta eat the chow, like right? the, the mush that they give you downstairs. <laughs> and you go, and you're like, there's no one there. I'll eat as much mush as I can, right? You don't have to fight for portions. and You settle down, and you you just bring all the chicken. And right,
1: is, is that what you want to
0: do on, on this day? You're thinking about so much bigger things, right? You want to stay? you would make a life for yourself. You you can accomplish your life's yearning. You know, spend the time just in the you know in the in the uh, in in the uh, in the uh, what, what's the room? That, what's the, how do they how do people in the army call? um the brig. Huh? hall? The, the what? The brig room? The brig. The, is that what's called? You mean the the, the, the room the that they eat? What's it called? Oh, so they eat chow hall. Chow hall. <laughs> chow hall defect. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, is that what you're gonna do on that day? So yes. Is it easy? No. Um, and by the way, I have some pro tips for you guys. You know, a lot of people think that oh, you know what I'll do? I'll just wait the day before you get here, and then I'll just drink 18 gallons of water. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what that means? You know what that? You know what that? What does that? What does that actually do? You know what it does. Clears your system. It'll probably makes you more hungry. I don't know. Makes you pee all day. <laughs> it makes really long lines for the bathroom outside of before cold so, <laughs> I, I remember, when, you know, growing up, I used to never hear a whole cold because every time it's right at the beginning of the fast, and you want to just lose yourself with water, and then like, oh okay, you gotta go, it's okay. Like I would, be one cold and I have four bathroom trips. But the truth is, is um, if you, you know, to make it easier, um, you would start drinking three days before it. That's what I do. Three days before start, start drinking three days beforehand. Mm-hmm. every time you just every time you go to the bathroom like you just drink another two glasses of water and boom you'll be so hydrated that you will not even feel it. it's amazing. Um, but once again yeah, your point's true that the fasting is a reflection of the state that we're in in the Kippur and it's also I want to say it's also actually a, a tremendous benefit. Uh, let, let's say you're fasting, it's 5 o'clock and you really done crunch time, you're like oh man, look at that food, oh man uh, how many hours left and, you know, oh man, I got I got 4 hours and 60 minutes and an hour <sighs> 4 times 60, I got 240 minutes plus there's 13 minutes left, I got 253 minutes left you know, <laughs> that's people thinking and then like, there's an opportunity to escape this prison, proverbial prison, and you're like 252 I could do this I could do this uh, maybe I can't I don't know right you have that whole mental just mindset of like how do I get through this uh, when in reality if you think about this this is the day where you need your merits you need your mitzvahs as much as possible you need as much as possible why? because this is the day where you're stealing your judgment this is the day where you're close to God this is, this is the day by the way I'll tell you guys something cool the name of the book of Talmud that talks about Rosh Hashanah is called Rosh Hashanah. The name of the Talmud that talks about Sukkot is called Sukkot. The name of the Talmud that talks about Pesach is called Pesach. What would you think is the name of the Talmud that discusses Yom Kippur? You would think think it's Yom Kippur. No. So the name is Yomah. Yom means the day. The day. This is the day. This is it. You just say Yomah, the day, everyone knows what day you're talking about. It's the day. And you need all your merits as much as, much as possible. And there's a myth of the Torah. The myth of the Torah says, on New, New Kippur, we don't eat, we don't drink, we don't wear leather, So everyone wears crotch to shoe. We don't ointments, we don't wash ourselves, and we don't have marital relations. You have five things you can't do. And you know what? And it's not easy. And the Torah even says, says this is the day where you torment yourself. It's a bad translation, but it means it's a day where you pain yourself. Why? Because it's painful. It's painful for twenty-six hours, twenty-five hours, whatever it is. But it's a mitzvah. And we know a golden rule of mitzvahs is that the more pain you have in a mitzvah, the more that mitzvah has value, has spiritual value. So that lasts two hundred and fifty-three minutes that's so hard, you're so hungry, you're so thirsty, that could be the thing that saves your year. That pain, so to speak, that you're doing for a mitzvah on Yom Kippur, that is your tremendous, that, that may be what you have, your spiritual accomplishments of the year. Because the mitzvah you did on Yom Kippur, that was very hard. And the Talmud says, agra, Mishas, as per, in, in direct correlation, <laughs> directly commensurate to the pain is the reward. The way, this, the way God works spiritually, not every dollar is the same. Not every, not every action is the same. If for, if for one guy, putting on tefillin means uh, uh, he has to wake up early or he has to pain himself or whatever, Right? that is a misfit done out of pain. That's worth so much more than someone who does it out of habit, out of rote. Right? Talmud also says, this. One Bitzar is more, worth more than a hundred. Not, not Bitzar. What does Bitzar mean? Bitzar means a pain. Why does it mean? One mitzvah done when it was difficult to do is worth a hundred mitzvahs done when it was not difficult to do. Mm. You know? So if you give charity, let will give you guys an example here. A little, little rant also. People give charity, provided that their name gets splashed in buildings, or provided that the entire synagogue knows that they're the ones who are sponsoring it. Right? That's a mitzvah, but you kind of get a kickback, Right? 'Cause everyone's like, oh thanks for thanks for sponsoring. it be something small, you know? But like you get a kickback, right? And that's a lot easier to do. It's a lot easier to give charity with a kickback, right? It's, it's it's as if, you know, it's it's like you know, you get a tax exempt status, right? You get the tax exempt so you're saving whatever your your, your, your marginal tax rate is. Plus you get the the benefit of, of feeling good and plus you, you get you, the guy who asked for the money, you, right, you you assuage his the bad feeling you would have had with him had you not given it to him. It's probably you giving really nothing because it all evens out dollar for dollar. But the guy who gives charity out of pain, right? Because he's not getting anything back, right? It's more painful to give money when you do not get anything back. And you know what? He gave the guy, the guy didn't have a 501c3, but the guy needed it. He just put a few hundred dollars in an envelope and dropped it in someone's, right? Quietly, don't no even know about it, right? That's a mitzvah where. It was painful it's worth 100 times more. Either way this is that's why I say it's an opportunity yes, it may be difficult, but it's something that we don't want to lose. the fact that it's difficult makes it even more exciting for us weirdly. And this is the coolance I want to tell you guys earlier by the way. Um, in regards to someone mentioned earlier that we don't that we have this communal judgment and the individual I think you mentioned that right? And we're judged as an individual, yet we have this idea of being judged as a community. So first of all, what I'll tell you is, uh, the Talmud points out, what would happen without Yom Kippur? What would happen without Yom Kippur? Mankind would die. Well, not, not, not really. Mankind wouldn't die. What would happen what? Without Yom Kippur. No, without without Yom, Kippur? Yom Kippur? Well, let me ask you guys a different question, and this, maybe you'll see where I'm heading with this. The Jews are a historical anomaly. Why? Because we have all the conditions of a nation that will swiftly go extinct. We're hated by everyone. We're really small. We don't have our own land. We wander from place to place. We're different. Everything that would typically mark a nation... That is on the cusp of extinction. We have, and we've had for Ah. millennia, literally millennia. We've been. By the way, you you, you think I'm joking? We're hated, right? You know that we weren't allowed to live in England for 500 years, or France, Germany. We have a long history. Maybe you've heard of our history with the Germans, Um, of Spain, of course, the Spanish Inquisition, Portugal. Like, really, where have where have we been? Uh, we, recently, in what the Romans, of course, the Babylonians, the uh, ancient Assyrians, with Sancheir, tried to Sancheir. We even have today in the British Museum. We have his declarations how he's going to destroy the Jewish people. Sancheir twenty eight hundred years ago. It's not new. It's not a new thing. Anti-Semitism. The Torah says there will be anti-Semitism. Yet we survive. How? How do we survive? The answer is Yom Kippur. Oh, what? Because we're lean, so we don't get diabetes, because we don't take fat, we don't, we fast. What did you ever possibly do with, it? Have, do with anything? The says like this. Listen to what the Talmud says, guys. Listen, listen to this idea. Talmud says that every nation has a, uh, a quota. What does that mean? It means it has a certain amount of sin that God allows it to sin. God doesn't, doesn't stop it from sinning. Once it reaches a certain point where it's a point of no return, so to speak, that nation is destroyed. So even mighty, if I told you, by the way, if I, if we were able to turn the clock back, if we were able to turn the clock back to the year to two thousand years, right? So the year uh, the year fifteen or whatever of the common era, and I would tell you that within two three hundred years, the Roman, the great Roman Empire would be disbanded. You would look at me like I fell off the moon. You would look, literally. As if I dropped right now, like with a parachute holding asteroids in both their heads. That's what you would think. Why? Because the, the Roman Empire was the most powerful empire the world had ever seen. It had everything, and not only that, it had, it had such control, it had, it had dominance in, in, in culture, in mindset of the people. And we know that historically they're gone. And not only that, the Persians, the ancient Persians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the, even the Byzantines, and the Ottomans, they're all gone. Why are they all gone? Talmud tells us is that God, every nation, God has a, a certain allowance that he gives them of how many sins are allowed to sin. Once they fill the quota, God destroys them. Jewish people, we too have a quota. We have an allowance. You know what? Every year we start creeping up, getting closer, right? And what happens when keeper comes? Keeper, God forgives all our sins, back to zero. It's so kind of like I want to describe it as one of those games where you're, you know, when you're, you know, when you're on your phone, you're playing uh, Temple Run. Yeah, I was like, yes, yes, sort of, yes, yes, okay. So like, and then you have. Well, I haven't. I don't think I played it since last time I gave this analogy a year ago. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, like you have. Uh, you know you're trying. Oh, maybe uh, Candy Crush. I never played Candy Crush. No, I, and never, it, I, never, you I haven't. Never. But yeah, I, I used to. I miss- candy, I crush. candy Crush. It works, it works. It's like you you it get the, yeah. whatever, oh, and Lipa then Life Jeweled. Yeah, and basically you have like a certain. <laughs> you're, you're erased against time, but you have like this this. Um, you're trying to get the buttons to the top or whatever. Try to get reach the top so you get more points. Right, right. That's what it's like. But then every year back to zero. Yom Kippur is the reason why we're still around. Think about that. How joyous is that. If if there was any doubt that Gary's comment is correct, um this should be this is the day. This is the day where we celebrate Jewish continuity as well. Because if we did not have this, we too would be gone. We too would be vestiges of ancient history. Not vestiges, we'd be remnants. Or we would be we'd be up there in the annals of uh of uh of Ancient powers that are no longer. Yeah, it would be a really nice entry. <laughs> you know, but we're not against all odds. Why? Because every year comes Yom Kipper, all our sins atoned for. That's to your point the idea of communal atonement. Uh, I'll tell you something cool here. So we mentioned uh, of the things that we cannot do, so eat, drink, sex, leather ointments, and washing. So in it, it says as well that we do not engage in marital relations in And Then I'll read you something really cool. This is from the Talmud. Talmud says as follows. I'm going to read it to you guys, and you guys tell me if this makes any sense. Make sense. This is... I yeah. I saying this. You know, my, I, have to, I have to change my, uh, my tactics. <laughs> so, it's like this. It's someone who sees semen on Yom Kippur. Sees like semen. Heroic carry. Sees? Sees, yeah. <laughs> that person's going to die that year. But, if he doesn't die, he should know that he's completely oh, righteous. Okay. Did I mention the year before? I think so. If he doesn't die, what? Okay, said, so yeah, he hasn't heard it. If he doesn't die, then he should know he's completely <laughs> like righteous. A, oh, he's completely righteous. What does that mean?
1: What does that possibly <laughs> mean?
0: That's sounds like, like the Talmud, you're like, uh, they have to be the very last, I think it's the very last page of the Book of Yoma, the Talmud that we mentioned. And you would, if you read it quickly, you were like, okay, the editors didn't finish their job, right? Because this is something, this is a stub. Back to Wikipedia, you know, this is a stub. You can extend it. Like, what is going on over here? This must be a misclick or a misprint. <laughs> what does that mean? Someone who sees semen of your kippers is going to die. But if they don't die, then they're going to, They should, you should know you're a tzaddikum or you're, you're, you're a righteous person. It's got to be uh, a lot of correct. <laughs> That's what you would think, right? Uh, Yet, yeah, I'll explain to you, it makes a lot of sense here. I heard this explanation from my grandfather Yom Kippur is a day where the Jewish people communally collectively have accepted upon themselves to refrain from pleasure and the Torah even tells us Torah tells us that when we on Yom Kippur we, we pain ourselves we torment ourselves we suffer it's, obviously it's not it's not I'm saying suffering is manageable you know it's not like we ask you to fast for a whole month or something like that like other religions do it's manageable, people do it. Young kids, 12, 13, they could do it, no problem. Yet it means refraining withholding from certain pleasures. What are the benefits of being part of the group? The Jewish people in, in, their, in you know in, in their masses are withholding from pleasure. You withhold from as well from pleasure as well, you're part of the group. And you get judged collectively. Because you're part of the group. The whole, the whole Jewish people are doing it. You're a part of the Jewish people. You're doing it. Therefore, you're a judge as, as a member of the of the community. And we know the Jewish, the Jewish, the Jewish people will survive 2015, 20, 20, 5, 7, 7, 5, 6, whatever it is. We will. Because why? We have till now and we're promised that we will. Someone says, you know what? I don't want to be part of it. I want to opt out with my opt-out clause. I don't want to be... Everyone's withholding from pressure. I'm not, I'm not... He's the guy who sees semen in Yom See so what he says, I'm not refraining from pleasure. Oh, okay. So then you don't be judged with the rest of the Jewish people. You want to be judged on your own. Fantastic. You'll be judged on your own. What happens if you get judged on your own? Well, you have to see if your merits stand up. And most times they don't. But if they do, you should know you're righteous. Doesn't that make sense, Gary? Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> What well, does it make sense? I mean, it's not. It's not. Um. It's not silly or stupid or dumb or. You know, I just. I'm saying, does it make sense now? I'm do you if you agree with it. Does it make sense? Oh, I think it's makes an abundance sense. of sense. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a Talmud that if you read it at first glance, you would say, what is going on over here? Now it's, it's well, actually, I, yeah, there's actually... I understand what it's trying to so. say. Yeah, it's behind the scenes now. It's telling you that if you join the Jewish people and you get part of the collective judgment, then great, you'll survive. If you don't, you probably won't survive. But if you do survive, even if you're not, well, then you're being judged on your own. You're judged as righteously, obviously. Pretty incredible. Does that apply to every... Thing, every, every thing to have to do, or well, or I'm, I'm I'm saying so the done. idea the idea obviously applies in everything, okay. you know. So I would say that m- one of our goals in as is to try to make ourselves as much as possible part of the collective. Hmm. Um, so therefore, I, I would even say that maybe our you know our striving ought to be with regards to let's say our uh, New Year's resolutions. You know, one of them maybe or. Perhaps one, of the, perhaps one of our activities we should do. One of the new resolutions should be: How do I be, more tightly bind myself with the Jewish people? How do I make myself part of this collective? How do I make myself indispensable for the Jewish people? How do I make myself an integral part of the community? Because doing that is, 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 you know, is, is a sure thing towards being part of the community. Being part of the community, a part of the community. Make sense, guys? It's the Day of Atonement. However, this is the disclaimer. This is the caveat. Atonement is dependent upon repentance. Tshuva. We are granted atonement, Yom Kippur, provided pending Tshuva, repentance. So, if you ever taking even a cursory look at the Yom Kippur prayers, you'll see that over the course of Yom Kippur, we have at least 10 times where we have confession. I say at least because there's multiple kinds of confession. And some of them, we're confessing the whole day. And in fact, even in the Mincha prayer before Yom Kippur, there's a confession. No, why is there confession on the Mincha before Yom Kippur? Because what if someone dies after Mincha, before Yom Kippur, and they don't have an opportunity to confess? They lose out on the great power of Yom Kippur. So we do one even a Mincha beforehand. So confession. So confession and repentance. So what, what does that mean? What's, what, is, what, is, what does repentance mean? How does it work? What happens with repentance? Anyone here has anything to share? Uh, you mean return? It means like... Oh, oh, oh you just said something. You don't realize how, how brilliant and, and advanced their comments are. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, the Hebrew Shana. word for 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 to shoot repentance is, is, is to return. return. It's to be in the same situation. Well, it return to something. what? I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I'm not going to interrupt you. Sorry. Proceed. <laughs> <laughs> well, to some, be in the same situation and and before that you were before and do and reactivate. That's that's a sign of pure of total repentance. Is that right? Is that what you're trying to say? That's what the Rama says. That's the direct quote from Maimonides. So says that how do we know what is complete repentance? Someone who sinned in a certain scenario, certain circumstances, and then they are at the same exact circumstances and they don't sin. All right? That's a sign of pure repentance, but it's still gonna answer the question. Why is the word repentance the same word as return? Because you're returning. Because you return to God, exactly, exactly, means your soul was once in a state of total purity, and then you know what? It got linked with your body, and it all went downhill since. It did. It went downhill. Why? Because you started sinning, and what happened to your soul when you sin? It gets really subtly, really dirty. And repentance means to return it back to pristine condition. It's like when you buy a, uh, I don't know, a toaster. Right. And use it for a couple of months. You want to return it. <laughs> so what do you do? So you try to buff it up and make it really shiny and shake out all the crumbs, <laughs> right? That's it. You want to return it back to its original condition, so that way they like, "Oh, well, no, we didn't use it." Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, sanctioning any of this behavior. Just draw back to bed back the betta. I'll take it no matter like if it's used for years. Uh but that that's what that's what it means. It means to try to bring it back to its pristine condition of yesteryear now, how does that work? So you sin. How do you undo the sin? How does it doesn't work? Hmm? You repent. Well how do, what does that do? <clears throat> huh? What? You did wrong. Yeah, but you still can't undo it, right? No matter how much you shake the, the toaster upside down, can you really get rid of it? You know, what about if what about if the toaster got a dent in the side? Is there any way to change it? to punch it from in the inside to make it look, you know, is there any way to do it? You know, you take you take a, a glass window, you throw a baseball through the glass. Collect all the shards, put it all, put it all back together. Can you put it back together? Is there any way to can you know imagine? I don't know, if, you know, if you let the kids or grandkids, or whatever, or you have a house sitter, and they like playing baseball, right in the living room. But having a catch, it's working just fine. And then one guy throws a fastball, right through that wall, right through the window. Oh, no, Gary's going to kill us oh man he's going to take Jack he's going to take Jack and take us and just have Jack maul us it's going to be a disaster you know and I was like, you know what you know what we'll do we'll just take all the pieces together and we'll recreate the window like we'll glue it on and we'll make, he won't even notice is there any way to do that huh we buy a new one but that's not that's not returning it to us right it's like saying, you know what, I'm screwed. I'll just let my kids figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we live in this world where we're constantly breaking the glass, we're constantly ruining the toaster, and yet we're told that we're going to return it to its original and pristine condition. How does that work? We're a new person. What does that mean? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm, I'm, asking, the, I'm asking the question. You know why the truth, the truth is? The truth is. There is no answer, and I'll tell you why. I'll explain what I mean in a second. We find a Talmud like this. Talmud says there's seventh the seven things that were created before the world was created. I'm not gonna go through the list, but number two the <laughs> number one is Torah. Torah preceded the world, Torah is a blueprint for the world. Number two is repentance. What it's telling us is that the normal rules of physics that are established with the world. Don't apply to repentance. Hmm. Indeed, if I smash the window, with the toast, or whatever, there's no way to undo it. You can't press rewind. Is there any rewind button in life? Hmm. Can I make what I said or I did yesterday go away? Did not happen. Not possible. It's one of the rules. Why is it one of the rules? That's the world we live in. Right? there's no way to recapture the events, actions of yesterday. Yet comes the one repentance. What repentance tells us? That sin you did yesterday, you never did it. But I did it. Well, no, you're So what? That's what repentance does. You never did it. You, you, you didn't see it. But I did. But you're That's the new man that you mentioned. It's, it's magic. It's unbelievable. And to us, it, it sounds so fantastic because this, this is not the world we live in. And you know what? It isn't. And there's no way to explain it because we're not used to thinking in terms that are that don't actually jive with the laws of physics that we have. And the truth is, you know what? It does not. It, it doesn't jive with the laws of physics because this is something supernatural. It's something that does not does you know that that's not that's not restricted to the same rules that everything else is. Think about it even this way, you know? Someone is playing or running or doing something hazardous and they fall and they get a huge gash in their leg and you bring them to the urgent care center or to the hospital and they get stitches. And you know what, you look at them a couple of days later, stitches are out, leg is as good as new. Oh, you let's as good as new, right? Let me see the leg. You look at the leg and you still see, like the sutures, you still see the scar. And you know what? You come back 55 years later. You want to look at the leg? You'll still see the scar. Why? That's the world we live in. Repentance, right? that doesn't work to sense. It's not patched. It's not covering over. It's not fixing the broken window. It's undoing the action that caused it. Caused it. So there's no scar. There's no remnant of the sin. It's as if it never happened. That's the power of repentance. And that's why it, do, it, doesn't actually, it doesn't actually play by the same rules. Now, how do you repent? And like I said, we want to utilize the power of the day. We have to repent. How do you do it? Nobody else how to repent? What do you do? okay okay is that it no. say sorry I would say you have to classify what you're talking about that's <laughs> boy. okay so yeah. it classifies let's classify sin between man versus man man versus man and man versus God yes okay so let's talk about man versus God that's first. easy easy let, go ahead man versus God is, 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 is easier why because God doesn't have those bad meados and God <laughs> is like we said this is the day that he's very much willing to accept forgiveness so, uh, we're told it's four steps of, of tshuva. Four steps of repentance. In what category? Or in in category. Box? We'll start with from the simple to the more complex or to the more difficult. Um, four steps. Number one, you stop the transgression. So you're sinning against God, whatever that may be. Let's say, hara, Sin that we all do and, uh, unfortunately, we don't realize how grave it is. So you're speaking That's badly that. about other people. That's a sin against man, man versus God. So first thing you do is you gotta stop doing it. Second thing, you've got to regret it. Regret. Like I said, you're, you're be sorry about it. Number three, you have to commit and never do it again. Number four, you have to say v do, is confession. So who do you confess? You don't confess to some priest or anything like that. You confess to God. That's why you got, you can, actually we, we do not believe in confessing to other people. We don't believe in these intermediary, right? We don't believe in that. Four steps. Simple. Stop doing it, regret it, commit to never doing it again, and confessed. And you know what? You look at the Yom Kippur prayer, you open up any page, odds are you're talking about you, and there's a page that deals with confession at one point. We don't... Right? We sin, we sin, we sin, we sin, we sin, we sin, and every kind of sin. Al Khait, 44 El Al Khait we sin with this sin, and that sin, and the other sin, right? What's that? That is enabling us to do true We don't believe in like a conduit... what kind of conduit okay you were splitting hairs yeah maybe we don't believe uh, whatever I'm just I'm just asking Um, Mm -hmm. in what sense what kind of conduit you tell me I don't know Uh, in the Hasidic world the whole idea of a Rebbe as being like a leader uh, who's going to inspire the people but also intercede upon the people's behalf that's a Hasidic idea. That's not, it's not foreign. Obviously, Moses and in the intercedes upon the have It's kind of a modernization of that idea. Um, that's what they did back in the day, right? The Kohen would enter the, the of the, the, yeah. the high priest, the Yom Kippur, exactly. He would pray for the Jewish people, oh, for right. to pray for himself. Right, so, so uh, it's a tricky question. Do we, we don't believe in praying, for example, to anything aside from God. So I say that we don't believe in intermediaries. We don't believe in praying to anything aside from God. And if someone would, let's say, want to... A lot of people like going to, cra- to, to graves of, uh, of tzaddikim and praying there. They're not praying to the dead person. The dead person can help you. Only God can help you. What you're doing is you're praying to God to help you in merit of the, of the great person, of the great tzaddik, that's, uh, that, you're, that, that, you're, that you're there. So I went to the Rambam's grave. Went to Rambam. The man of the millennium. Of course. Hero. Am I praying to uh, the Jewish people's hero? Am I praying to him? Of course not. We don't pray even to Moshe we don't pray to. Him. Moshe, the greatest man that ever lived, we pray to him? No, absolutely not. Right? That's anathema. That's against our religion. We pray to God. And we say to God, help us in merit of the Ram of Moshe Rabbeinu, merit of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The first the first line of our, of, of our Amidah. We invoke Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We just said it yesterday yeah, in Rosh Hashanah, right? Remember us. Remember the event of the binding of Isaac. And in that, we're not praying to Isaac and Abraham or to David or Samuel or Rabbi Akiva or no one. Right? We're praying to God. So that's what I say. We we'll don't believe we'll be intermediaries. But the idea of someone interceding upon um, the behalf of someone else, yeah, that's okay. it's so a little tricky question. Simple, simple formula, right? Repent. Do the same Kipper. Do it. Simple. Right? Remove the scars. Remove the events. It's such an easy formula. And you know, you'll say, ha, well, I tried it last year. And I repented. I regretted. And I said, I'll never do it again. And I committed. And you know what? I started doing it right after Kipper. Literally, with the, uh, with the onset of the new year, I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> and you know what? You're right. And it's very likely that you may repent this year. And then, you know what? What comes your kipper, after Yom your Kippur? Like, okay. And suddenly the old you is back. And suddenly that, that wall, that barrier is suddenly there. It's so so thick again. Right? But so what? That doesn't change anything. The sins have gone and they never happened. Can I ask, you said the fourth thing is to make a vow? No. No, I'd say, to, no. Mm-hmm. So I'd stop doing it, regret it, commit to never doing it again, and then confess it. Verbally. Commit to not doing it again. So you're not making a vow or anything like that. No, you're saying I'm not doing you're it again. You're not here. doing it. Try your best not to. Do a vow might help. <laughs> <laughs> but then you are. We don't. Severe. we won't, No, but we're, 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 we're it's very. We yeah, have to be very careful to do vows. We, we, yeah, we we're, we're, a tour a partial Yeah, we don't do vows. Four or five. We're a few weeks ago. We yeah. comes in this way. For you? Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the you
1: know what?
0: becomes an additional mitzvah. So right, you add. yeah, you don't want to add mitzvahs. We have enough mitzvahs. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Okay. I'm not even joking. We have enough mitzvahs. You have more? It's like um, uh, the Nazir. Nazir, someone who says, yeah. I'm not going to drink wine. Cut hair, cut hair. You know what he did? He added more mitzvahs. And that's why he's viewed very negatively in the Talmud. It's not your business to add more mitzvahs. God gave us enough and... Die much as a Torah, it's enough what the Torah prohibited. And you want to add more mitzvahs? No, we don't. Do, we don't believe in that. Hmm. So that's sin with the man of God. And you know what? It's does. It's not so difficult. It really isn't. We just outlined it. Just go sin by sin, and we have the forty-four sins that we mentioned in the Alchets. Get an English, English translation of it and go through one by one. Stop doing it. Regret doing it. Commit to never do it again. Say the Alchets. Say the uh, confession to God, and move on. You're done, right? Try to make it as, as sincere as possible, of course. Don't just try to, you know, you can't fool God. It would be a lot easier if you can, right? You can fool everyone else. Oh, well, look at him. Really, really righteous. So well. Right? It's so easy to fool other people. You can't fool God. In so God you can't really fool God. You can't try to be as sincere as possible. Nah. What do you say? In God we trust all others pay care. The 44's forty four Al chetz, Al chetz. We say uh we we, we you know we wanna atone for this sin, the sin that we did X, so sin that we did, at, so that we did Y, right? Why what the are? I don't know, that's what that's I guess that covers it all. Oh, so, uh, forty four general categories, I guess. 'Cause <laughs> a lot of them are our categories. With running with my feet to sin. Right, it's is one there, of them. There, there can be many With confusion of heart, you know? Okay, so what about sins between man and one's fellow? So it's important. Your paper does not atone for sins between man and one's fellow. When you sin against your fellow, you sin against him. He has the keys, he or she has the keys to determine whether or not they want to atone you for you. What you need to do is you have to ask forgiveness. And it's important not to ask to say, oh, forgive me, forgive me. Because if you don't forgive me, I will not forgive you, baby. (laughs) Right? I will say like, "Ah, I'll forgive you if you're giving me. Right, that's that's not that doesn't really change you because you know what you guys. <laughs> what it means is to appease your friend. In the words of the Mishnah, Gimkiper does not help for for your fellow. Achiratze until you appease your friend. It means a day where you actually make amends, where you actually get past the quibbles and the squabbles of of, of the past. And of course, is it as easy? No, because you know why? You have to humble yourself. You have to lower yourself. And no one likes doing that. And We don't like to admit guilt. We don't like to talk about our own misdeeds. That's not fun. It's not exciting. You want to talk about your misdeeds? Let's, let's, let's detail them right now. Right now, in front of everyone, right? Or to your fellow. Well, you know, I really shouldn't have said that. Or I really shouldn't have done that. Or, You know? And to be genuine about it, it's not easy. And what if... Um, Someone comes to you and says, hey, forgive me. But you know what? That person really did something bad to you. So you could say, oh, I forgive you. But you really don't forgive me. You still hate the guy's guts. And you turn around and <laughs> <laughs> that's not That's not real forgiveness. You're like, get off my back. I don't want to forgive you. I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to look at you. Right? Is that really what we're supposed to perpetuate? No. But how do you actually face up? How do you f- forgive someone? It's so what if somebody doesn't forgive you. I refuse it. So, 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 if you're genuine, you're sincere. So, the Ram tells us that what you do is you go three times. So you tell them forgive. You, it, to the people. Right, you bring up, you bring some people, and, and you you actually say, "Can I, for, can you forgive me, please? I know I did something wrong. I admit I did something wrong. I'm pledging to never do it again, please forgive me." And if they refuse to forgive you, well, they're the ones who are greater sinners than you. That's what, that's the words of the Ram. right? You ask three times, and you're sincere, and usually, if you're sincere, that that comes across, and they'll forgive you. If not, it's something you could do. It's, they're bigger sinners than you are. Uh, what if someone asks you to forgive them? What do you do? So there's an the easy way to say, I forgive them. Then when they turn around, you give them a finger, right? <laughs> no, I mean, you Sucker? Do, 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 do. Or do like this. then they turn around, do you like... Like, straight out ask you that question? Or they come up to you and they kind of like side it and say, I really didn't like when you did this. What oh, oh, oh! To actually enable them to for, to ask forgiveness by telling them why you're upset at them—that's important as well, by the way. Well, no, that—that's what I'm asking you in the context of your question. Are you are you saying like, "Hey, forgive me for this," mm-hmm. or, or are you saying, "When you did this, a, b, and c to me, I really wish for you, or I really didn't appreciate it, blah blah blah"? Like, which context are you in? Uh, are you saying is the person who the wrong was done to approaching the person who did the wrong or vice versa? Is that the question? No. That's what I understood from what you Sorry, from the illustration. Uh, so, so I did something bad to you, Let's for, for example. Okay, so you okay. did something bad to me. Okay. And I come to you and say, hey, you need to ask forgiveness from me? Or are you saying, hey, I'm telling you, you did this to me, but I didn't appreciate it. Like like in no, just, you, you, you. so so, do I approach you or you approach me to the question yeah, if you did yeah. something wrong I believe it's a, if you did something wrong but you don't approach can she approach you says, well, that would I be I that would be that would be a, a wonderful mitzvah to approach someone right? kind right? of yeah. yeah it's a it's yes. in fact and we know the there's a mitzvah the Torah you cannot hate your fellow in your heart you can hate him just can't hate him in your heart don't harbor those feelings and say you know, there was a guy, I don't, I don't know if you even say this, but there was a guy who I found that was furious at me. Someone in my, my community. I had no idea. And I found it through the grapevine. He's so furious. So I approached him. I, know, I had literally no idea. And that's, if you're upset at me, let me know. If I have no idea. if, if yeah, Listen, sometimes someone really does it wrong to someone else. And then it's known to everyone. But if someone does, if I have no idea that you're upset at me, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, and, and, and you're the one who's harboring it, and you you should let me know to say that we have to address this. So that, you know, but let's say someone does come over to you and say, listen, I want, I want you to forgive me. What if they're not sincere? Not, and, and well, so if you are not sincere, then maybe you could say, listen, you so know. So you don't have to forgive? Because you know that they're not? Or you're still, you still said, be the bigger person, so you know what? Well, I mean, it's fine. If, but you know they don't mean it. They're just asking. So, just so like this. It. Let me let me tell what the Talmud says here. The Talmud, the Talmud, I'm going to bring this, all, all the way full not all the way for circle. Half, half a half a semicircle. Bring it all semicircle. So the Talmud says that someone who forgives others gets forgiven by Hashem. Let, let's imagine we're the ones who are saying, God, we sin, we sin, we sin. You know what? Are we really sincere? Are we genuinely? Committing to never do it again, and stopping, and regretting, and, nah, maybe. yeah, maybe, we like, to, we like to think that we are, but who knows, right, and you know what, God forgives us, but then what happens, someone else comes and says, you know, uh, forgive us, I was like, oh, you're not, you don't have real intention, right, so we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, and we don't give others the benefit of the doubt. So the Torah tells us is that when you give others the benefit of the doubt, well, God will give you the benefit of the doubt. So if you someone comes and asks forgiveness, and you say, okay, I forgive you, even if you did something really heinous and egregious, and you don't seem to be that sincere, I'll still forgive you. Well, then what happens to you? Then God says, oh, you too did something really egregious and heinous, and you don't even seem to be that sincere, I'll still forgive you. you guys, I want to take this one stage deeper. Taking the whole discussion of, of repentance and forgiveness deeper. So I uh, threw the baseball, proverbial baseball, through the proverbial wall, right? Window. I just saw how, how irritated Gary got or how, how, how much angst. I came on the wall. <laughs> He's like worried I'm going to pull out a baseball in my pocket. I was thinking about the tape I have to fill <laughs> So but let's say we sin. And then comes along repentance and removes the scar as well. It never happened. How does that work? How does it work on, 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 on a deeper level? The way it works is like this I come to God and say, Listen, I sinned. But that version of me sinned. I'm a different person. How so? Look at me. I regretted it. I committed that I'm doing it again. That person would, that would have done it again tomorrow, right? Not me, it's a different person. As of right now, that's what I am. As of right now, I'm a different person, that's right. And it was like, Okay, it's a different person. Okay, so someone else sinned. Who cares about who cares about someone else? Now someone else is gone. Now we're dealing with you. You, okay, you didn't sin. And Kobe Hussein and saying the, the same thing that you know. Right now, you're, you're sure. Right now, you're, you're here. You know, you, you have the intention. On, you know that's that's what matters. Not what you were. And he that's what you they plagiarized but... my they plagiarized my stuff. <laughs> no, it's actually the Rambam says this. It's we both we both stole from the Rambam. That's how it works. The way it works is that the sinner is someone else, and I'm a different person. I'll tell you guys also, you know, that biologically, every day you're losing millions and billions of different cells, and you get new cells. Isn't that a nice way to think of it? Look at me. I'm I'm not the same cells that sinned, it's different cells. So think about that on a spiritual level. Like my spiritual makeup is different. So that person wanted to sin. I don't want to sin. I regret that. Right? Therefore, me, the way I'm currently oriented, this person is different. This person didn't sin. Right? That, that's how it works. And you know what? God said, okay, you really are a different person. And then someone else comes to us and says, ooh, I, I made a mistake. I, I wronged you. Forgive me. And you say, oh, this is the same guy. The same guy Come yesterday. He does this to me. And today he wants forgiveness. <laughs> and we're not willing to say this is a different person. And he looks <laughs> right so therefore God says oh because, because yesterday so he's he's, he's he's you you think he's the same person so maybe you're the same person as well tit for tat measure for measure mm-hmm. if you're willing to see this person as being reinvented as being changed different person who cares that someone did something really bad to you who cares that that's someone else God too will say oh this is someone else and uh, and 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 uh, uh, um, be granted forgiveness I want to just end off here I, I, I wasn't sure how much material I had I tonight part two. after Yom Kippur Be like ah we'll see you guys next year I have all year <laughs> by the way sins that if someone sins with the intention of having Yom Kippur forgive it doesn't work if someone says oh I'll sin now Kipper Kippur comes I'll become yeah, a different person wink wink I'm good to go oh, that meditate. doesn't work Yeah. You were do. Well, no. It has to be something that you weren't uh, maliciously planning like on sinning and then having atonement for. Which, by the way, I'll tell ever you. Maybe we can even understand, understand it yeah, in that gonna, light yeah. it's not me. that yeah. it's not the same. It's not I'm a not different, different person. person. It's the same person. Same person. Yeah. Same yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. The guy's like back he's already thinking about repenting. That's a nice insight. You guys missed a nice insight. I heard. You didn't hear. Say it over. The last three words? No. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, you, you think you think he heard it? I don't know. I think he heard bits and pieces. Yeah, it was a deep insight, right? It's good. It good, right? Yes. I'll say it again. Because I'm just so awesome. No, I'm I'm Forgiving. so. Uh... <laughs> um, so when I was saying like this, if someone premeditated sins don't work, I was saying why? Why do premeditated sins don't work? Because then it's the same person. The same person who has in mind to repent is the same guy who's repenting now. So therefore, the the model doesn't work. If the same guy sinned and the same guy's coming to have repentance, well, then it's not a different person. The magic of of repentance doesn't work. What if someone has lots and lots and lots of sins? Most of us. We've got lots of sins. There's so many areas we need to work on. And we're going to get atonement for everything. So we can say, uh, okay, every sin possible that we do... I'm going to stop doing it, I'm going to regret doing it, I'm going to commit to never do it again, and I'll repent. And that way I'll repent for all my sins. And there's hundreds of sins, and 365 negative sins, and all the misses that we don't do. not do Go happy. ahead. Um, things that are available to you, if you will, like a step program, if you will. Okay, but in Yom Kippur, we want to get atoned for everything. How do we get atoned for everything? you not even remember? Okay, so that's why it takes some introspection. Um, and that's why we get help a lot with these forty-four categories of things that we could have sinned. we, we, we use them as general okay. you know, ways to think about, you know, our misdeeds. But going to try to fix it all at once, right? You're really gonna commit yourself to not sin this and not sin that, and that. And all the sins of the Torah. How many sins of the Torah? And how many of them are we perfect in? I'll never speak the Shona Ra again. Right? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, list, my goodness. Spot, dude. Is, it, is that genuine? So I, I, I found a very nice Rambam, once again, who says, Yom Kippur Mechapr Lashavim. It's a little bit of a subtlety in the words of the Rambam. He says, Yom Kippur works for those that are repenters. What that means, I think, is that so long as you're repenting, And if you are to extrapolate this down the line, you could see how this path, like like you said, it's a step program. How this will eventually bring to total repentance. The Almighty, in His kindness and generosity and mercy, is able to just see all the way down towards the end of the line. If you are to continue along this graph, you would just project uh, uh, your trajectory from here, you know, till infinity. Would you repent for everything? Would you actually actually repent for everything? actually change change everything? Yes. So long as you did that one step, you get total repentance for everything. Once you're in the class of people that are repenters, you get repented for everything. So traditionally, there has been a um, custom for people to accept upon themselves a small and manageable resolution as a way of perpetuating this decision that they made by stopping to do it and, and committing to never doing it again and regretting doing the v some actionable activity or behavior that they will take with them throughout the rest of the year. And I think that it should be directed at the specific area of how we see our progression You know, we're 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 telling God a story. We're saying, "Listen, that's a different guy. I'm a different person. I'm changing. I'm changed. Well, I'm not changed now, but I'm changed along this process." Okay, so what's the process? Make it a a, a resolution that is going to bring you down the steps of this process, and that shows a, a true, genuine sincerity that you're serious about this. You know, you're actually telling God, "This I'm a different person." And what happens to the Yom is irrelevant. But keep, main, keep this uh, resolution, because you are serious. If someone lapses at the Yom you know what? That's happened before. And that doesn't mean that your, your repentance Yom Kippur wasn't sincere, wasn't accepted. It was accepted, it wasn't seer, it was accepted. And you were a different man at Kipper, and you even made a resolution that's going to help you along that path. And you know what? Maybe you, you just stumbled or fell Across the path, hopefully not. But it, what if you did? Most people do. Well, that's that's when you get the barrier. The barrier comes back, and it's so much harder to chip or chip away through the barrier. You know, you're not. It's not your care anymore. You can't just jump jump steps. You got to do little baby steps, and baby steps. You are some baby steps against resistance. Well, okay. So that, but that that, that 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 does not in any way. Infringe upon the totality of your repentance on on day one, on Yom Kippur. So that's that, guys. It's uh, once again, it's a very powerful day, as we mentioned. It's a day that's designed from day one, from the first Yom Kippur in history, to grant repentance, to grant atonement for all, even the most the worst sins, even the sins that justify and warrant people being destroyed. Yom Kippur can undo that. Uh, that's the power of the day, the power of the day, we're close to God, it's a day where we can achieve this power that we need to for our own survival, for the survival of the Jewish people, and let's try to make the most of this day to really try to, you know, accomplish what's about, we don't want to be those suckers that stay behind bars, you don't want to be that, you don't want to be the guy that says, oh, you know what, let me stop down, let's stop eating some food, let's let's try a I of not I can't possibly pray without my coffee, Sorry, not happening. right? We're not those people. Yom Kippur is a day where we take things seriously. It's the day of great opportunity. It's a day that we're elevated to this level of angels. Suddenly the barrier is removed. Don't just say, "Ah, oh, barrier is removed, but I want to stay behind. That's the power, guys. Let's have a wonderful Yom Kippur. Easy fast. Drink a lot on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It'll be easy. Smooth sunny. you Get a little hungry. It's okay. But that, that, that makes the fast more, all that more meaningful. Okay, guys, Um, go ahead. A few things. So, we're not having class on Wednesday, obviously, because the young people are. Did you all want to do it on Uh, Thursday? I would meet on Thursday if you guys want.